Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, July 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. in the evening, and you're tuned in to the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir. I'm a member of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church located at 11 Certified Drive in Middletown, New York. If you're tuning in again and you are a seasoned listener for the short time we've been on the air, uh, we welcome you back. And if you're a new listener, we welcome you to this podcast. The Parents of Prodigals program is a weekly live call-in program And it's completely dedicated to prayer, intercession, supplication, and petition to the parents of wayward sons and daughters who are unsaved. Some are teens and some are adult children. And during this hour, between 7 and 8 o'clock, we unite in prayer and intercession and supplication for wayward sons and daughters who have strayed from the faith or have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We also intercede and pray for the parents or caretakers of prodigal sons and daughters that the Lord may give you strength and perseverance, encouragement and comfort during this time when you're waiting and praying and seeking the Lord for the salvation of your prodigal son and daughter. We always open up our program with a word of prayer, and then we'll have a short devotional. So please unite with me in prayer, and let's go before the Lord and seek his presence at this time. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you first and foremost that you cleanse us from any sin, anything at all that we may have said or done or thought or any way that we've behaved that's been displeasing in your sight. We don't want anything to interfere with our fellowship and our communion with you. We want nothing to hinder our prayers, Lord. And so we ask your forgiveness, Lord God, We ask you to cleanse us from all sin. Uh, As I've said before, Lord, in previous prayers, and I'll say it again, Lord, who can come before your presence? Who can come up to your holy hill? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. And we are seeking clean hands and a pure heart right now, Lord God. So forgive us of our sins. Make us clean in your sight, Father. And we thank you for your forgiveness. And at this time, Lord, We just want your presence, Lord God, to permeate, saturate this time of fellowship. As we talk about, we intercede and we pray and we petition for our wayward sons and daughters who are not in the faith. Your coming is imminent, Lord, and we want to be ready, but we want our sons and daughters who are not in the faith to come to a saving knowledge of you. We don't want them left behind, Lord God, when the rapture takes place. And so, Lord, be in the midst of this program. Speak through me. And not only speak through me, Lord, but speak to the listeners who are listening to this program. Let your blessing be upon them. And let whatever is said during this podcast be an encouragement and a strength to all the listeners are on the air in Jesus name. Amen. As I've said before during previous podcasts, the next event on the biblical calendar is the rapture. And the rapture is not a fairy tale. It's not something that is just made up. It is an actual event that is going to take place. Scripture says that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and we who are alive shall be caught up together in the clouds. We won't precede those who are in the graves. Those who died in the faith will go first. The graves are opened, and those who are in the faith will be raptured, and then the we who are alive on the earth will also 
be taken up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In the Greek, as our pastor, Albert Feliciano, so often says, harpazoed, snatched up into the air. And this event is definitely, most certainly, most assuredly going to happen. Many people don't believe in the rapture. Many believe it's a fairy tale. It is not. It is actually going to happen. It could happen before this podcast is over. It could happen tonight. And my prayer, I'm sure your prayer as well, is that we're all ready. Saved, sanctified, and filled with God's Spirit. So when that happens, we will all be harpazoed, taken up into the clouds. And more than that, we want our unsaved sons and daughters to become saved, accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior, so that they too will be raptured. You know, immediately following the rapture, there's going to be a period of time called the tribulation, the great tribulation period, a period of time spanning seven years when God's judgment will be poured out on the earth and a world leader, an evil world leader known as the Antichrist will rule the world, deceiving many, dragging as many people as he can into a Christless grave and to hell. We do not want our unsaved sons and daughters to be here during this dreadful and terrible time. And so that's what this podcast is all about. Time is short. And as I've said many times before, and I will say it again, I can never say it enough. I do not believe we are living in the last days. We are living in the last moments, the last seconds. The rapture could occur before this podcast is over. So we need to be ready and watchful and continuously in prayer for our unsaved sons and daughters. It's a tricky thing. We want the Lord to come back. And at the same time, we want our unsaved sons and daughters. We want the Lord to tarry. We don't want our loved ones to be left behind. And so that is what this podcast is all about. Intercessory prayer and petition for our unsaved sons and daughters, prodigals. You know, some of our prodigal sons and daughters are living successful lives. They, they may not seem evil. They may not seem bad. They're living what we believe or what they believe are moral lives. Some of them may even go to church, our church members. Some may even be serving. You can be prodigal in a church. I said that in the last podcast. And they may not be involved in drugs or alcohol or anything that we would consider, for lack of a better term, wicked, but they have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believe that they are good, counting on their good works and moral lives. If I'm good enough, I haven't hurt anybody, I live a decent life, so I can't see any reason why I won't get to heaven. No reason to repent of my sins, nothing to repent of. And they believe that, and it's their perspective based on their own morality and their good works that they don't believe that they need to surrender their lives to Christ. Not every prodigal is drug addicted, an alcoholic, involved in gangs, and living a wicked lifestyle. There are some very, for lack of a better term again, moral prodigals. But a prodigal is a prodigal, away from the faith and outside the family of God. And so again, we pray and we intercede for our prodigal sons and daughters. As always, we always, after we have our opening prayer, we have a short devotion. And our devotions are always geared to address the issue of prodigalism. We always try to tie it in to prodigalism. And so I want to share some thoughts with you on the topic of waiting. You know, the idea of waiting has never been more difficult than it is these days. This is an instant society. It's a age of instant rice, instant coffee, instant potatoes. If you're into computers, instant messenger, Instagram, everything is instant. And waiting has become a lost art. Why wait? Things are at your fingertips. 
there's no reason to wait. Even technology is geared so you don't have to wait. And again, like I said, waiting has become a lost art. Uh, if you're at a diner or a restaurant and you are sitting down waiting for the waiter or waitress to come to your table and they are bypassing you, going to others, eventually you are going to lose patience. You're not going to wait forever, but you may complain to the manager or you may do what I've done on several occasions, unashamedly, uh, actually. There have been times when I've walked out of a restaurant when no one has come to wait on me. If you leave your car at a mechanic shop and you're waiting for the mechanic to get to your car to repair it, and you call the mechanic several times, is your car fixed? The mechanic keeps saying, I haven't gotten to it yet. Eventually, you're going to have your car towed out of there. You're not going to wait for the mechanic to get to your car forever. Many times you're on the phone and there's an automated message and you're waiting for someone live to come on the phone. And while you're waiting, you're listening to elevator music and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and nobody comes on the line to speak to you. You're not going to wait on the line forever. Eventually, you're going to hang up. You may try calling back later on, but if five minutes turns to 10 and 10 turns to 15, 15 turns to 20, eventually you're going to hang up. But for the believer, waiting is a factor that God constantly brings in the life of the Christian. If for no other reason, for character development, and to teach us patience. You know, in Hebrew, there are various, there are approximately 20 words for waiting in the scriptures. There's the Hebrew word kwava. The word kwava is one prominent word that's used for waiting. And that word kwava is an interesting word because like I've said before many times when I've shared, languages like Greek and Hebrew are picture languages. Many of the words are associated with pictures. And the word kwava in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, is the word for waiting. And it means a twisting or a binding. It's the word used for making a rope. And you have strands, many strong, many small strands of rope are bound together and twisted together. By themselves, they can break. But when they're tied together, they become stronger to the point where they can most likely be unbreakable. And that's the way it is when we're waiting on God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, They that wait, quava, on the Lord shall renew their strength. The more you bind yourself to God like a rope, the stronger you can become. The second most prevalent word for waiting is the word shaka, shaka. And this is a word that's found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, which says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for his help. And that word, shaka, is the word that's used in this verse. And that means, again, a picture of a watchman on a wall. The same way a watchman is told that there's going to be an enemy attack. And the watchman on the wall is standing in shaka. He knows the enemy is coming. He knows that something is coming. And he stands on the wall and he waits. It's not a waiting in hope, but it's a waiting in anticipation. Another picture of shaka is standing in a line but the line is moving. You may be in a bank, for example, or you may be in a supermarket. You're waiting to get to the register, but the line is moving. So shaka is waiting, but there is movement in the waiting. 
You're not standing still, but there is progress being made as you get closer and closer to what you're waiting for. And that is the hope of every believer, that we wait for the Lord to save our prodigal sons and daughters. In fact, in that verse, blessed are all who wait for his help. We said this in the previous podcast. The word blessed in this verse is the word ashar. And the word ashar means to be on the right path. Many times when we're waiting for God to save our prodigal sons and daughters, we may feel like giving up. We may not anticipate that God's going to answer our prayers, but waiting on God is the right path to be on. If you are waiting on the Lord to save your prodigal son and daughter, you are ashar. You're on the right path. Continue to wait on the Lord. I wanted to gear, again, this devotion for the topic of waiting, and I'm going to take a different direction with this devotional. There's a particular song which means a lot to me. It's a song by a music artist, a believer named John Waller. And he wrote a song called While I'm Waiting. Now, copyright laws forbid me from playing the song on this podcast. And at the risk of you tuning off the air, I will not sing it. However, I want to recite the lyrics to you. Because this song has seen me through many a season when I have been waiting on God. I'm waiting on God for something now. Not just my son and daughter to be saved, but there are several prayers that I have before the Lord, and I am waiting for him to answer them. I'm going to read the lyrics to this song by John Waller. I'm going to provide some insight as to what it meant to me and how it blessed me, and hopefully it will bless you. Here are the lyrics. I'm waiting, I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I am hopeful, I'm waiting on you, Lord, though it is painful, but patiently, I will wait. And I will move ahead, bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. And the chorus goes on to say, while I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll be running the race, even while I wait. I'm waiting, I'm waiting on you, Lord. And I am peaceful, I'm waiting on you, Lord. Though it is not easy, no. But faithfully, I will wait. And I will move ahead, bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. And again, the chorus proceeds. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll be running the race, even while I wait. I will move ahead, bold and confident, and I'll be taking every step in obedience. And the chorus goes on from there to repeat the lyrics. I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. That song really has blessed me, really has strengthened me in the seasons when I've been waiting. You know... When I looked up the lyrics to that song, when I played it actually on my cell phone, underneath the song, there is a tab that says comments. And I clicked on the comments because I wanted to read what other people were saying about this song as well. And the comments that I read are from people who are saying, that they had multiple things that they were praying about. There were burdens that they were going to bring before the Lord. There were issues that they were facing, and the song had blessed them and had strengthened them while they were waiting for God to answer their prayers. Some were waiting for healing. Some were waiting for the salvation of 
sons and daughters or spouses or siblings. Some were waiting for a financial provision. Some were waiting for the answer to a prayer for a job. Whatever it was, there were many responses to hearing this song. I encourage you, uh, when you have a chance, go online and play this song. Listen to it. And then if the opportunity affords, read the comments under the song, the different situations that people were in as they were listening to this song. I myself, uh, I have my devotions in the morning, and I study God's Word, and I have a time of prayer, but I've made it a habit to listen to this song once a day, uh, throughout the day. Maybe It may be in the morning, it may be in the afternoon, or it may be in the evening. I may be in the living room or at the kitchen table. I may be driving, but I make it a point to listen to this song at least once a day. And I combine the lyrics of this song with scripture and the lessons that I've learned from it about waiting on God. Kova and Shaka. While I'm waiting for my son and daughter to get saved, I stay close to God. I bind myself to him. Kova, staying close to him. And as I stay close to the Lord, if I didn't seek him, I would probably grow weak and faint and discouraged. So I wait, I quava on the Lord, staying close to him. And when I stay close to him, I'm strengthened. And I also wait, I shaka, waiting on the Lord, expecting an answer to this prayer. It may come tomorrow, it may come a year from now, it may came it may come years from now. But I continue to Chaka, to wait expectantly. I'm on the wall, watching for the salvation of my son and daughter, knowing it's going to happen. Again, I don't know when. I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, like my son and daughter, your prodigal son and daughter, they may come to Christ. Somebody may witness to them at their job. Somebody may give them a gospel track. Maybe they'll be alone and listen to a Christian song. Maybe someone will just invite them to a church service or to a Bible study and they will feel convicted and accept the Lord as their Savior. Or maybe like Paul, it may take more drastic measures. That's a scary thing, I know. But it may take more drastic measures. Paul was knocked off his horse and blinded. That's what it took to break him. When Jesus saw Matthew, he simply said, follow me. And Matthew followed him. And when Paul was on the road, God knocked him off his horse. The power of God struck him down and blinded him. That's what it took for Paul to come to a saving knowledge of Christ, to break him. We should never tell God how to answer our prayer. He knows what's best. And I'll be the first one to admit that I often wonder what it would take to save my son and daughter. But in the meantime, I will wait. Sometimes waiting is difficult. But there were three primary takeaways that I thought about when I heard this song. What do we do while we're waiting? Well, one thing we should not do is grumble or complain. That will just make us more bitter, more angry. And, uh, you know, when you're waiting on God, sometimes you can like the illustration I gave of being in the diner or motor vehicles. What you don't want to do while you're waiting on God and become discouraged, like being in the restaurant or the diner, you don't want to get up and walk away from God. You don't want to complain to God. You don't want to have yourself spiritually towed away. If you're waiting on God to fix your problem, like you're waiting for a mechanic to fix the car. And if you're on hold, and God has many of us on hold as we're waiting for him to answer our prayers, you don't want to hang up on God. You want to stay in communion with him and in prayer. So whatever you do while you're waiting, don't get up and walk away from God like in the restaurant. Don't have yourself spiritually towed away. 
and don't hang up on God, but remain in contact with him. That's what you and I should not do if we get discouraged while waiting. So what should we do? Well, the three takeaways from that song, which blessed me tremendously, is as follows. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. And while I'm waiting, I will not faint. While we're waiting on God, we need to continue to worship him, praising him, even when you don't feel like it. And I'll be the first one to say there have been many times when I get discouraged, I do not feel like worshiping, but we are to continue to worship the Lord, lifting up holy hands and just giving praise to God, no matter how we feel. In fact, worshiping God may make you feel better and encourage you. So while we are waiting, we will worship. And the lyrics go on to say, while we're waiting, the second thing that we should do is serve. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. Continue to serve the Lord. Continue to do what God has called you to do. No matter what it is, don't throw in the towel and say, serving God is a waste of time. He is not answering prayer. He's not coming through. Continue to serve God. And then it goes on to say in the lyrics, the third takeaway is, I will not faint, but I will run the race. Obedience. Continue to live righteously. Don't faint. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on service. Don't give up on obedience. Those were the three takeaways from that song. I would encourage you again to listen to that song. Meditate on the lyrics. Combine it with scripture. All the lyrics to the song are scriptural. Waiting on the Lord will renew your strength. God will give you strength if you stay close to him. But don't give up on the Lord. He will answer your prayers. Again, we don't know how. I'm right there with you. If you have a prodigal son or daughter and you're waiting for them to get saved, I share your concern. And I too am waiting for my son and daughter to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. I neglected to say, um, but I did say at the beginning of the podcast, this is a live call-in program. And a lot has been said so far, and I've shared much. But this is your program. And we look forward to you calling in. We would like to hear what your insights are regarding prodigal sons and daughters. Maybe you want to call in and share an insight. Maybe you'd like to call in with a prayer request about a prodigal son and daughter that you are seeking the Lord for salvation for. If you don't want to call in, you can type your prayer request in. Some people are nervous about calling in. I can understand that perfectly. If you are nervous about calling in, Maybe you don't like the sound of your own voice. I know I have a problem with that myself. But if you don't want to call in, type in your prayer request. If you want to remain anonymous, whether you come on the air or type it in, maybe you just want to present an unspoken request. We will respect your privacy. We do not want you not to call in or not to message in out of a fear of disclosing information. If you want to write your request and send it, I will see it on the screen. And we will be ambiguous, but detailed, if that makes any sense. We will honor your anonymity. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So we will pray for any unspoken prayer requests for a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe you want to call in and your son and daughter has recently come to the Lord. We would love to hear your testimony. Your testimony can encourage those who are listening who are still praying for their prodigal son and daughter. I know it would encourage me. So I would love to hear from you as well. But that is what we want to do during this podcast. We want to hear from you. This is your show. And so we are approaching the halfway mark of our program. 
And at this time, we're going to take a musical interlude and play some glorifying music to the Lord. And after the musical interlude, we will return after this short break. And again, if you're tuning in, this is the Parents of Prodigals podcast. And after our musical interlude, we would love to hear from you. Insights, prayer requests, or testimonies. So we will take this short break, and we will be right back.
Okay, we are back with the Parents of Prodigals podcast after that musical interlude. Um, Jesus, Lover of My Soul was one of the songs that I had played. And usually when I play these songs, I stay on the air and I listen to the lyrics of these songs because they encourage, they encourage me and they're a blessing to me. Because again, like I've shared numerous times, I am the parent of a prodigal son or daughter. I became a believer in 1976. I was 16 years old when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I too 
was wayward at one time. My uh, mother and father were not believers. I was raised in a Catholic home. Um, and my parents, of course, were faithful Catholics, uh, going to Mass, going to confession, having us go to confession as well. And so, of course, I had gone to church, but I never had a active personal relationship with Christ as my Lord and Savior. I always wondered what it would be like to have a relationship with God. I always believed that the priest in the church had a special relationship with God. And it actually reached a point where I wanted to become a Catholic priest because I believed that if I become a Catholic priest, I too can be in God's inner circle. To be a Catholic priest means to have a special connection with God. At least that's what I believed. But I was 16 years old when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. But prior to that, I went through a tremendous time of deep depression wondering what life was all about. And this was again in the mid-70s. There weren't many interventions back then for young people to turn to. And I remember I had a cousin who was a believer who had witnessed to me several times, and he actually coerced me talked me into going to church with him. And I went to a service and I was sitting down before the service began and I was listening to several of the young people talk about their walk with the Lord. And I questioned them and I, if memory serves me correctly, I mentioned to them, you talk to God, you talk about God as if you know him personally. They said that they did, and I responded, that is absolutely impossible. Nobody can know God personally. The service started, and I heard the message of salvation, but I did not respond right away. And after the service ended, we went to a relative's house. I had another cousin who was a believer. His wife was a Christian too. And this particular relative and everyone around them were very happy. They showed the joy of the Lord. I did sense a peace about them. And I pulled my cousin aside and I said to him, I want to ask you a question. And I said to him, I don't know what it is that you have. And I said to him, don't you know how lousy everything is in the world? All the wars that are taking place, the misery and the hunger, how can you have what looks like such peace? I was 16 years old, and even I noticed a difference in him, his personality, one of tranquility and one of peace. And I asked him, what is it about him that is different from everybody else? What do you have that I don't see in anybody else I know? And I said to him, whatever it is you have, I want Tell me what it is. He was hesitant, and he said to me, you really want to know? And I said, yes. And he said to me, if I tell you what it is, you have to let me speak and talk to you about it for a few minutes. And I said, go right ahead. I insist, whatever it is you have, I want. Is it a drug? Is it a particular philosophy? What is it that makes you have such peace and such joy? Whatever it is you have, I want. And he said, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. At that moment, I threw my hands in the air and said, all right, here we go. A holy roller. I knew it. Religion. I don't want to hear it. He said, just a minute. You said you would give me a few moments. You wanted to know, and I told you. Uh, give me the respect that you said you would give me to speak to you. Of course, I was ashamed. And I said, go ahead. And he spoke to me further in more detail about the plan of salvation and what surrendering your life to Christ was about. A difficult walk. It wasn't going to be easy. 
but the end of the road is eternal life. And he talked about repentance, confessing sin. He talked about being with the Lord. He talked about seeking Christ. And after approximately 20 minutes of speaking to me, he asked me if I would pray with him. And I said, yes, I would. The exact date, I don't remember, but it was in 1976. That is the year I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. It has not always been easy. And I mention all this because my frame of mind back then as a teenager was not much different than many teens today. Mocking religion, believing it's for other people, but not for me. I probably would have listened to him more receptively if he had said it was a drug or a philosophy. The minute I heard it was Christ or had anything to do with God, I mocked him. And that's the way it is with many people today. Many prodigal sons and daughters don't want to hear the gospel. They'll listen to everything else. I mentioned during an earlier podcast that when I took my daughter on a trip, on a visit to the college at New Paltz, the State University at New Paltz, we went into a bookstore and the bulletin board for the young people activities was filled with meditation classes, workshops on yoga, Eastern religion workshops. There were several get-together gatherings to play games like Warcraft and fantasy games where you become the character in the game. And people were signing up and taking the phone numbers down, but there wasn't one single card there about Christ or for a Bible study. Young people don't want to know anything about Christ. Those are our prodigals. And we pray and we seek the Lord for their salvation. And so, again, we would love to hear from you. If you want to type in your prayer request or call in and give an insight, provide a testimony, share a scripture, all these would be an encouragement to other listeners on this podcast. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you have a, a sibling who is not saved. You're a believer, but your sibling, your brother or sister is not. You came to the altar. You accepted Christ, but your brother or sister did not accept Christ. And you're concerned for their souls. You're concerned for their eternity. Call in. Message in. Come and share your burden. You may not want to call in with a prayer request. You may want to just request prayer. That's fine, too. Again, we will respect your anonymity. It's not our desire to want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so our lines are open for anyone who wants to chime in to our live podcast. And we have someone who is calling in now. Uh, they were on. If they, let's see. There was somebody who was just on, and I believe we lost him. If you're listening and you want to chime in, we will plug you in. We would love to hear from you. I thought a lot about people like Billy Graham and John Piper and Charles Stanley. Those three great men of God have one thing in common. All of them has had a prodigal son or daughter. Franklin Graham was a biker, it's my understanding. Franklin Graham was not always saved. And when we think of Billy Graham, we think of a great man of God, Billy and Ruth Graham, great evangelists known all over the world. Uh, we have a message from LaToya. Please try again, call in. I will plug you in if you want to try again. We would love to have you on the air. Franklin Graham was a biker. His son was a biker. He was not always in the faith. And I'm sure Billy Graham and his wife Ruth prayed constantly 
for him. And they interceded. I'm sure they had other people who interceded on his behalf. And eventually he did come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and became born again. And now he has taken over his father's ministry as Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord. And he is also the head of Samaritan's Purse, a great Christian organization. But he was not always in the faith. He was wayward, a prodigal son at one time. What happened to Franklin Graham can happen to your prodigal son and daughter. Continue in prayer. Continue in intercession. Even fasting. The scripture makes very clear that fasting can break the yoke. I shared earlier that your prodigal son or daughter may not be addicted to drugs. They may not be an alcoholic. But still, they may have the sin of pride or self-righteousness. They don't need the Lord. And we have an insight that was sent in by our sister Latoya. And she shares a very important insight. While you are waiting to trust God in the process, an excellent insight. Many times the process is difficult. We don't want to go through the process. Again, remember, this is an instant society. Waiting is a lost art. And so the process for our prodigal sons and daughters to come to Christ may be a difficult process. It may be one year, two years before they come to Christ. They may come to Christ very easily. They may go to church and there may be an altar call and they'll respond. Or perhaps it will take what it took Paul. They will have to be knocked off their feet. He wasn't a prodigal son and daughter to me. My father, who passed away in 1982, had accepted Christ several times, a few of those times in a mocking manner. And he read the Bible constantly. And while I was in Bible college and I would come to visit him, my father had a tremendous interest in Bible prophecy and the Antichrist and the tribulation. But he would never take the step of accepting Christ as his Lord and Savior. And in 1982, he had a stroke which resulted in a point where he was at death's door. And he was in a hospital in the Bronx, Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx. And before he passed away, my father accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. God forbid that that's what it would take for our prodigal sons and daughters. But the Lord knows the process. He knows what it would take. He knows what it takes to break our prodigal sons and daughters, to break their pride, to break their proud spirit, to break self-righteousness. Some prodigal sons and daughters, as I mentioned before, you can be a prodigal in church, attending church and believing that you're okay. You don't have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. They think church attendance is enough, but you and I both know it is not. You know, in the beginning of the book of Isaiah, it mentions God is speaking to the nation of Israel. And he mentions that he didn't want sacrifices. He didn't want observations. He didn't want people to observe rules and regulations, to give offerings, to keep holy days. Many people make it a point of going to church on Easter Sundays. Churches are packed with people on Easter Sunday who would never set foot in a church any other day of the year, except perhaps on Christmas. And they come dressed up and they come to an Easter service. They've done their religious duty for the year. But again, you can be a prodigal in church. 
as well. Prodigal teenagers who have wandered from the faith. Maybe when they were younger, their parents brought them to church, but as they turned maybe 16 or 17 or 18, they told their parents, we don't want to go to church anymore. We want to stay home. With the exception of hog tying them and dragging them, the young person may leave the home rather than be forced to go to church. Some teenage prodigal sons and daughters have an active hostility toward the things of God. They don't like it when you pray. They don't like it when they see you reading their Bible. I believe those are demonic forces at work in the minds and lives of our prodigal sons and daughters, to have a hostility like that. They don't like it when you're reading the Bible or praying. They don't like it when you're playing Christian music. Turn it off or lower the volume is what they say. I personally believe those are the spirits that are keeping them in bondage, that are manifesting. We have a sister in our church who uses the term manifesting. I believe that firmly. I believe many of our prodigal sons and daughters have such a hatred for the things of God that they manifest. This hatred manifests and the demonic forces that are plaguing them come out and their hostility is manifested. Sometimes our adult prodigal sons and daughters may not want to visit us because we are believers. They'll limit the amount of time that they visit us because they don't want to visit and be forced to pray if they come for dinner or listen to Christian music when they come over. And so we pray for our prodigal sons and daughters. We lift them up in prayer. And we are coming to the hour mark, one hour mark, eight o'clock is when our podcast concludes. And well, we didn't have anyone call in to share. We had one person try, a dear sister, Latoya. We will be on the air on the 28th again, next Thursday. And at that time, we would love to hear from you, your insights, your prayer requests, your testimonies, whatever it is you want to share, whatever it is you want to unburden yourself with. We're here to listen. We're here to pray for you. And so as we come to the eight o'clock mark, we come to the conclusion of our podcast. But before we conclude this podcast, we never want to go off the air without saying a closing prayer. So please join me in a closing prayer, not just to end the broadcast, but to pray for any prodigal sons and daughters that you and I have, and we seek their salvation. Join me in prayer. Father, Lord God, I thank you for this hour of time, Father. And Lord, there may have been people who have been listening, who have a wayward son or daughter, a teenager or an adult who has never come to the faith or who has strayed from the faith. It may be a prodigal son or daughter, Lord God, who believes they're okay. Or it may be a prodigal son or daughter who is bound by drug addiction, alcoholism, peer pressure, a negative relationship, Lord, or just an animosity and a hatred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I lift these prodigal sons and daughters up in prayer, my God. I unite in prayer with the parents who are listening. And anyone who is not listening, Lord God, we lift them up in prayer too, Father. Lord, touch the hearts and minds of our prodigal sons and daughters. Open up their eyes, their minds, their hearts to make them receptive to the gospel. We don't know how, we don't know when. That's in your hands, Lord. We confess trust in you. We trust in your process, Lord God, and your timing. And I pray for the parents of the prodigal sons and daughters. Give them continued strength and perseverance as they continue to wait for their salvation of the prodigal sons and daughters. 
Like the song says, while we all wait, let us continue to worship, to serve, and to be obedient, and most of all, to persevere. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Parents of Prodigals podcast. We will be back on the air again next Thursday, July 28th. Until then, remain steadfast. Stekos, stand firm in the faith. Be unmovable and continue to pray for your prodigal sons and daughters. The Lord will meet the need. Trust in his timing. Trust in his process. Trust in the Lord. Have a good night and God bless.